I'm Coach Seb, and this is Running New Mexico. All right, joining me today, I have Keith Gerard. He is a former UNM runner. He's from England, from the island of Man. He's run uh, competitively as a senior and junior for England, for Great Britain, um, and has been an All-American with UNM in cross-country and track. He's a teacher now. He's done some coaching with Rio Rancho. Actually, quite a lot of things. So thanks for joining me today. No problem. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, absolutely. So I guess my first question is, how did you get into running? Okay. Um, <laughs> I get asked that a lot and I never quite know how to answer it. But um, so quite a typical background from what I hear from a lot of runners, actually. You know, I tried um, or I played a number of different sports from my childhood in school. So back in the in the Isle of Man in the UK, that was things like football or soccer, as you call it, um, rugby, cricket, um, obviously track as well in the summer. Did a little bit of everything. Um, was a fairly decent all-rounder. Um, soccer or football was my uh, preferred sport. Um, that was what I thought that I was going to continue on to do for the rest of my life. I had aspirations of playing soccer at a high level. Um after school but it was when I was around 15 or 16 years old that running kind of found me and sucked me in and as I say I always did a little bit of track and cross country in season in high school um, nothing like we have out here for high schoolers but you know we did a little bit here and then PE I was always first or second in PE classes at school and um, in my early teens so when I was around 14 or 15 I started to Enter just a few local races um, at the weekends and um, in my own time. And there was one particular race I did when I was 15 years old um, over the Easter weekends that we have on the Isle of Man where I turned up and shocked a lot of the local senior athletes um, in that race. I think I was the first local senior home in that race. Um, and the phone rang a couple of days later and it was the the head coach at the at the club on the Isle of Man where I lived. And he said, I think you should come down to the track and join the group. I think you've got some talent. Um, and at that point, I knew I did have a little bit of talent for running. But as I say, I just always thought that I was going to play football for the rest of my life. So I went on down there and it all just went from there. The rest is history, as they say. Um, it was a case of... Uh, big improvements in a very short space of time from from there on. And I soon after dropped the football completely, never kicked the ball again since. Um, as soon as I got involved with a, an official athletic club, um, you know, I, my love for the sport just um, went up and up and um, I saw massive improvements and um, it really, it really was something that I, I loved. That's awesome. I think you're right. I think there's a lot of kids who kind of start off in in different sports and dabbling until they you know running catches them or they get kind of pushed that way you know one way or another but i think it can be good to have that uh kind of all around background 
you know, prior to, to getting into running? Yeah, I often get people say to me, oh, 15, 16 is quite late to start running. But um, I think it was a good time. I think I was just um, physically um, and like mentally, emotionally, just at about the right age where I could um, handle the requirements that it takes to um, be successful in athletics. It's pretty grueling sport. You have to be disciplined. You know, it's not easy to do lap after lap, mile after mile on the track. Um, and I think 15, 16... Um, was a good age for me to um, start specializing, should we say. Uh, because before that, I was just kind of um, uh, dabbling in a number of things. But yeah, 16 years old is when I started to specialize in running. Yeah. Well, it can be hard to uh, convince a kid, no matter the age, to run a bunch of laps around a track. <laughs> yeah, I think... Um, I think when you you know if you're born to do it and you just and you just love it though and especially if you know you're good at it as well and you you just taste that, that little bit of success um, like I did um, in that local race I think um, it's easier to move towards something when when it gives you that um, fulfillment so it it wasn't really a even ever a, a dilemma for me once I once I realized my potential it was just um, all guns blazing for running <laughs> that's awesome so I don't know much about it. I don't know how many of the people who are listening know know much, but what is the Isle of Man like? You know, is it is it a smaller island? How big? You know, I, obviously it's it's part of the Great Britain and and you know off of there. But what's it like there? Um, another question. I don't quite know how to answer. Um, <laughs> so it's an it's an island in the middle of the North Sea. So it's sandwiched right between. Um, uh, northwest of England and Northern Ireland. So it's right in the sea there in between England and Ireland. It's 30 miles long from the top to bottom, about 12 or 13 miles across. Um, about 85 or 90,000 people live on the Isle of Man. Um, so not too many, but big enough where you don't know every single person on the island for sure, definitely. Um, very green, obviously, um, like rolling hills. Um, it's surrounded by ocean. You never more than just a couple of minutes or a few minutes from from the ocean, which is really nice. And I, I do miss that a little bit. Um, can be kind of gloomy and rain quite often, obviously. Um, but uh, it's um, it's a really really nice place. Lovely um, community feel to it. Uh, very safe. Um, I really love it there. You know, it's my home. Uh, uh, it's a country in its own right as well. It's got its own government, its own money, its own rules. Um, it sits within Great Britain, but is it a country within its own right? Um, so that's another little interesting fact about it. So wow. probably most well-known for the TT races that are held there every year. If anybody's into their motorcycling and uh, motorbike races, uh, check it out on YouTube or something if you don't know what that is. It's, it's crazy. Um, that gets a lot of tourists and probably Mark Cavendish, the cyclist as well. It's probably you know, the most famous person I can think of to come from the Isle of Man. So. Well, that's cool. I was going to ask you, it's obviously a little bit different, you know, coming from an island and moving to landlocked desert New Mexico. <laughs> uh, yeah, very different. I mean, geographically, it couldn't be any more different, really. But uh, like I just said to you, if, um, before we start recording, um I love it here in New Mexico, and it's kind of my home from home now. So uh, I love the I love the contrast, you know, 
I love being able to get what I get on the Isle of Man when I'm there. And then uh, the contrast that I have here as well. So, yeah. So how did you end up at UNM, you know, in the first place? Were you recruited or, or did you look at certain places and this is one that popped up? Um, I did have um, a few schools reach out to me um, with some nice offers when I was in my teens. So when I was about 18 or 19, when my running really started to take off, um, I had a few um, good schools reach out. But at the time, I didn't feel quite ready to... Um, make the move out to the States. I just still felt like I had a bit of unfinished business and a bit of development to do in the system in the UK. So I initially um, attended college um, at St. Mary's College in London. And I got and I studied my undergraduate there for um, four years. And as I say, I had quite a successful time as a junior and senior on the UK scene. And then it was only once I finished my undergraduate degree that my phone rang one day and it was the head coach at UNM um, and he had a scholarship for me at UNM he'd been keeping his eye on the results I guess and um, he thought that'd be a nice fit for the team uh, there was already a few Brits running at UNM at the time who knew of me and I think had told him about me as well um, and my, I still remember it my phone rang one day and it was it was coach Franklin and he said I've got a scholarship for you and uh, I think I just said when's the flight <laughs> so it was, you know, I mean, I just finished my degree at, in London. I didn't re really quite know what I was going to do next. Um, and it had always been something I wanted to do. I always wanted to go and have a couple of years and experience the NCAA system in the States. So when my phone rang that evening, um, it really was a dream opportunity for me. So, and that was in 2009. Um, so a long time ago now, but <laughs> yeah, that's how it happened. My phone just kind of rang one day and, um, yeah, the opportunity um, came to me, but uh, through the results that I, I uh, attained. So well, that's awesome. Uh, how would you compare? You know, you said you wanted to check out the NCAA system. How did that compare to you know what you were running with juniors and seniors in in uh, um, Britain at the time? Uh, much more depth in the NCAA. That's something that really blew my mind when I got out there. Just how many. Um, collegiate kids there are and the number of schools the number of divisions the number of regions I don't think I really understood at all what I was coming out to um, like um, I think uh, I was possibly even a little bit naive to be honest when I first got out here I didn't really know just how how deep it was um, but my my naivety possibly uh, possibly helped me in a way because uh, I, I did fairly well out in the NCA system but it really was kind of uh, mind blowing the first few cross country meets that I attended, where I just saw how competitive it was and how how much money as well go into the programs of all the different schools because we just don't have anything like that in the UK. It's just, uh, the, I mean, we have university sports, but it's just not anywhere near the level um, of funding or crowd attendance or um, opportunity that it is in the states. It's just um, a whole different ball game out here. So, um, it yeah, it was pretty pretty amazing and. Uh, from the second I got here, I just, I, I loved it. I lapped it up, you know, I just, um, it, it was almost like being a professional athlete for a couple of years and, and getting my degree in the process. It was, you know, I, I still say this now, but I think it was two of the best years of my life, really. I, I, from the second I got to UNM, I felt welcomed and loved it in New Mexico and I had an amazing two years in college here. I think the fact that I still live here today is testament to that. You know, if I didn't like it here, I, I probably wouldn't have 
wouldn't still be here today. Right. <laughs> That's what I like seeing about a lot of the uh, the athletes that have come through UNM, um, no matter how how big they are and stuff. Like they they still come back to New Mexico and and will do some training or or this and that. And it's it's kind of cool to see that that connection um, that they still have, whether it was four years or, or even just a year that they, you know, did for their postgraduate, you know, running that, that fifth year. It's, it's kind of amazing to see that they've, I, I guess, kind of just enjoyed it. Like you talked about. Yeah. Um, it, it does just, it, pull, it does just grab you and pull you back in New Mexico. I think, um, just, I mean, I'm just, I'm saying stuff we all already know, but yeah. just the weather's <laughs> perfect year round here and um, like the food, the people, I just always felt very welcomed and looked after and like my experience in college as a runner and a student was just um, so positive. Um, and yeah, when I finished college, I returned here numerous times um, throughout the years to put in training blocks for races back in Great Britain and Europe, I would come out here and do training blocks with my coach and a few other post-collegiates, just uh, find a place to live and come out here and altitude train, essentially, especially in the winter months where the weather's so much better here than it is in the UK. And then pop home on a flight and um, do a big race back at home and kind of keep repeating the cycle. So that that became like a, something that I would do for a number of years after college. And I, I loved coming back, back to Albuquerque. When I graduated, I was... Um, you know, so sad it was all over. So I was determined to keep keep coming back here for a while. That's that's kind of awesome. And like I said, I think it's just cool to see that the community you you know you felt a community here that you could come back and and be a part of and and still like do your training and do everything you needed to do to be competitive on you know higher level. Yeah, definitely. I think I'm kind of repeating myself a little bit, but I just, I just really like when I, like I say, when I arrived at New Mexico, just really felt taken in by the team. You know, I was just almost for the first time in my life, just around really um, welcoming, like-minded, supportive people who, you know, were teammates and wanted the best for me. And um, my coaches out here were almost like a, like a second, like a second dad to me. And, you know, just kind of, um, everything about their place and the experience just uh, really captured my heart. So, and like I say, I'm still here today. So I think that says a lot. Yeah, absolutely. You know, uh, we, we talked a little bit kind of about the NCAA system and, and how deep it was. How did that compare, you know, to running like, you know, um, cross country championships, you know, for like the European cross country championships? That's a good question. Um, I think at the very top end, so I think the winner of a senior European championships or, or even the winner of a senior under 23 championships would um, compete with the very best NCAA athletes. You know, your, your medalists in the European champs would be right up there to win the NCAA um, in most distance events, I would argue. Um, but it's just that depth after that, you know, the depth in the NCAA cross country was incredible you know if you slip up and lose six or seven seconds in an nca cross you could go from 10th to sort of you know 50th or 60th you know like if it like you know the the wave of athletes that can just swallow you up in a matter of seconds and um i actually experienced that myself in my um senior nca cross i uh, just um i placed 40th in that one and I, I don't know if you know but it's it's top 40 get all american um so you know i was uh 
but very very close there to, <laughs> to missing out but um yeah just uh the depth in the ncaa is 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 greater than the british or european circuit but at the top end very similar i would say yeah well i think that's uh, it's it's fun watching those those big races like you're talking about because it is like you have the top end who are competing you know for for the top positions top five top ten even and then sometimes there's a little gap but that like you know 10 through 50 sometimes is just i mean so scrunched together i mean you're losing mm -hmm. like you said i mean five seconds six seconds and and you could be losing 10 to 30 spots like because everybody's yeah, that's just not exaggeration yeah in these no. crowds it's it's amazing to watch it's amazing to see you know i was happy to i was glad that last year the ncaa put you know the championship ra championship races up on youtube to to be able to go back and watch because i i missed catching them and it's sometimes hard to uh always see them <laughs> yeah and the uh the style of courses out here as well is uh was quite a shock for me uh just like pristine kind of groomed golf courses with a blue line and like in the UK, you can, um, there's a lot of very muddy kind of, uh, natural, almost like running over like farmland sometimes kind of, um, more of a, more of a sloggers course, which actually suits me. I'm, I'm quite a slogger, very good on like the mud in the hills and that kind of rough ground. But, um, yeah, so the, the courses were, um, uh, different. I say that. <laughs> I, I was the same way. I was, I, I didn't like the, the flat groomed courses i always ran better when there was you know throwing some some sand and hills and make it a little tougher it kind of i was uh i was more of a stronger runner than a speedy runner myself same same so yeah it's it's i i had actually asked this at uh coach murray from highland on last week and asked him about the cross-country courses out in england because you know those are like the iconic scenes right the rolling hills and mud and Mm -hmm. and everything and and uh you know we don't always well we don't often get mud here in new mexico but it's just you know different than what you see with the um collegiate courses like we just said yeah the and the as you know the style of the course can change the race completely um so it's um horses for courses isn't it in cross country sometimes yeah. it can the course can change the outcome completely but well, that's yeah, and that's what I love about it too. You know, we we were kind of chatting with about cross country and track before you know we started recording, but the fact that you know it's every week in the track, it's you know it's the same thing. You know, and it's like, well, you know, how how close can you get to your PR? Can you get your PR? You know, it's you know weather conditions play a little bit, but a cross country course, I mean, it's so hard to compare like your fastest time on one course to what you're doing on another course because. I mean, you, you've been to several of them. I mean, you run at Bullhead Park, which is, you know, pretty flat and grassy. And then you go to the Rio Rancho course with a couple of good hills and that sand. And it's it's apples and oranges. <laughs> yeah, well, that's the thing as well. In the UK, we place no emphasis on time in cross country. It's all just position. You know, like, like why would you time a race over <laughs> different courses and over like more than hills and sand? It's 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 all position um like this like yeah it's um <laughs> that's a very american thing let's just say that to to worry about time and gow at this pace and um yeah we take that with a pinch of salt in the uk 
Yeah, I, I try to teach my kids that too, because it's, and you, you, I mean, you just can't compare, unless you're running on the same course. It's just it's completely different. So, uh, you know, you talked about getting a degree. You know, your undergrad stuff. You know, I'm back in London, and and then you know coming doing graduate work here at UNM. You know, you're doing some teaching now, um, but I know you're kind of doing the alternative license. So, obviously, that wasn't your original um, degree. But what what kind of brought you into to teaching? Um, I think the pathway through coaching, funnily enough, um, like I say, I'd been doing some work with Rio Rancho High School track and cross country team for the um, few years previously before I started teaching. And I think I just enjoy that environment, um, you know, working with the kids, working with the students. Um, my experiences in school myself are always fairly positive. I always quite enjoyed school myself as a kid. And I think that it's just something which, again, like pulled me in. It just, it just seemed like a, the right career choice for me um it's more than just a job it's a, a purpose it's something you can be passionate about you're helping other people it's rewarding um it's hard work as well but i just like that environment of um mentoring kids helping kids and the role of a teacher is just something that just felt right for me um, and I wanted to explore that and I think sometimes you don't really know if you can be a teacher or not until you start doing it um, but I've found so far that you know it's something that I can do and something that I'm good at and uh, I'm glad I'm glad to be where I am let's just say that good I'm glad I mean it's it's uh, it is it's a very rewarding um, career you know, I don't want to call it, you know, selfless, but there's a lot of selfless things that go into it. <laughs> mm -hmm. And, you know, um, it, it takes, it takes a lot, you know, it takes a lot to, to go in day after day and, and, and have to be, be on it, you know, every day, there's no, can't have a down day, right? <laughs> yeah, no. Um, and I teach eighth grade health, so, um, never a dull moment. Let's just say that. Um, and yeah, you have to be on it, as you say, with uh, 13 year olds, like when there's 35 of them in the room, class after class after class, day after day after day, you can't have a bad five minutes. Uh, it's um, it's a lot of energy, but it's so much fun as well. Um, and I love that age group, um, just like the very young adults and they're still at that age where you can really help them, I think, and really direct them and, you know, um, um, I really do. I, I chose to work with that age group. That's that's where I wanted to be. And um, uh, but no, as you say, it's it's a lot of energy, and you you can't, you, you have to be on it. Definitely. I, you know, I, I work elementary, and and there's some people who who you know say they can never do elementary, and I, I just I can never do middle school. Like I can see myself at elementary. I can see myself moving up to high school. I just cannot imagine doing middle school personally. <laughs> most people I meet say that. Um, yeah, most people are scared of the middle schoolers, but it's not—it's not as bad as you think. Um, it's yeah. Um, I'm one of the one of the few, I guess, that, that, that like that age. But um, yeah. 
That's good. We need it though. <laughs> they I need can it. never escape middle school as well. Cause like I say, I'm with them all day in the classroom. Then I get home and I've got an eighth grade and ninth grade stepdaughter. So, you know, I'm just constantly around the age group. There's just no escape for me. Yeah. <laughs> and they bully me constantly as well. So, Oh uh, yeah, I'm sure. <laughs> Are they at the same school that you're at? No, I think that's a good thing as well. They're not, they're, they're at a different school. Um, and not because I teach at that school either. They just, they already went to a, they were already going to go to a different school, but yeah. Yeah. I think it can be there, you know, again, at that age, it's so they're, they're trying to find themselves, you know, so it can be, yeah. it can be oh, good yeah. to have that, that breakaway, you know, and have that time mm -hmm. to be an individual and without having to worry about someone looking over their shoulder. <laughs> yeah, definitely. That's great. So I want to go back to, um, to your to your running for a bit and you know you talked about your cross country a little bit and the you know being an all-american you know at unm and you were also an all-american on the track with the 10k what made you i mean other than i'm assuming being a, a stronger runner that tends to go with the distance but what made you want to uh go run that many laps on a track <laughs> um I think if I'm being brutally honest, um, I just wasn't quite quick enough for the mile and the 5k. I mean, I was quick relatively, uh, but to get that all American status or challenge for sort of like a medal or make a major champs, 10k was just where I fitted in best. Everybody's got that little niche and at that level, you know, just being half a percent off here or there in a, in a, in an event or in a certain energy system can change it completely um, and for me my little my niche was just that that 10k and just with my first few 10ks I kind of I didn't really like it I kind of did I was a bit scared of the laps and I, I always sort of thought oh god you know another 10k I kind of used to dread them a bit but I soon found my groove of it and like I say it was just the distance that just suited my strengths per, um, perfectly so um the answer to your question is because that was what I was best at. Not necessarily because I liked it the most, but that's what I was best at. <laughs> that makes sense. I think that's where a lot of kids end up in, you know, middle school through high school and, and college beyond. Uh, I do find it, you know, interesting. It's so much easier just to do 10K on the roads than it is to do it on the track, right? You've got so many other things you can focus your mind on and then you know when you're doing those laps it's just kind of i'm actually gonna i'm actually gonna stop you there i prefer on the track i really I actually prefer on the track yeah. yeah i just i'm pretty good at just switching my brain off and getting into that kind of zen subconscious mode and just clipping out the laps you know just staring at the um shorts of the person in front of me and uh, just just knocking out the laps i, I like that Wow. I, don't, I don't like it on the road. My, my brain goes off into all sorts of horrible places on the road. I, I much prefer the track. Wow. I am I am a little bit shocked there. That's that's crazy. Yeah, no. I'd rather run one on the track than the road for sure. Mm -hmm. Wow. All right. Mm -hmm. But you prefer cross country over track, right? Um, fairly even, but I probably had a bit more success at cross country. Um, yeah, I, I'll say I preferred cross country, but yeah, it was close. Interesting. Wow. That's kind of cool though. I mean, <laughs> it's, 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 uh, I, I like kind of asking people where they fall on that. Cause it's usually kind of real clear, like one way or the other. And you're uh, kind of, I think road is my least, uh, you know, you've got your track cross road, like a kind of right. like 
you, you try out of disciplines aren't there obviously there's trail and f- mountains and things as well but track cross and roads um road was probably my least favorite of the three just uh yeah and i'm still kind of just trying to get get to grips with it even now <laughs> so <laughs> well then you know you you eventually kind of made the transition off of off of track and and some of the cross-country stuff you have you've run some half marathons i think a couple you've done one marathon um was that just kind of a natural progression, like, you know, trying yeah. to find races that suited you? Yeah, it was. I sort of stuck at the 10K as long as I could after college because, I, I mean, I had so much success at that and I was, you know, running for Great Britain at, at, at that and in the Commonwealth Games at 10K. So that was that was kind of my event for quite a while, into my, certainly into my late 20s. And then when I kind of sensed that I was maybe – not getting any better with that event and not getting any younger either. I sort of thought, well, I'll dip my toe in, in my water with the slightly longer distances a little bit. Um, and I had tried one half, uh, tried a half marathon straight out of college and that went quite well um, back in 2011. So that always led me to think that possibly there was a, a career in the, or a future, should we say, in the, in the marathon at some point. Um but long story short, when it came to do the marathon, I was about thir- I just turned thirty at the time. Um, I was quite a few years out of college, and um, it just—I didn't like it. Let's just say that it was just a little bit too far for me. I think, like I said, like I just said a few minutes ago, ten k was my niche, and uh, the marathon just kind of—I don't know—I just have fueling issues, like stomach stitch issues, like. I think just like my style, like I'm quite a toey runner, I run up on my toes, my calves and Achilles didn't like it. And um, just my attention span, I think was like a goldfish as well. And just like for, to be out there for two hours um, and just, yeah, I preferred that aggressive kind of like um, push, push, push cross country, like track uh, mentality, like the marathon, that kind of like patience you need and the, and the, the, the fueling element and the, just the time that you're out there. I didn't really like it. And I was also starting to have a few injuries as well around the time of the marathon. My whole year before I trained for it, I was very on and off with a couple of pretty bad injuries. So I'd lost a little bit of base, um, a little bit of um, a little bit of base going into that marathon. And I think my confidence was down a little bit as well, if I'm being honest. So I kind of, um, uh, I kind of, uh, it kind of didn't, quite goes out of, out of light and I came out of it feeling very very humbled um and I think I said to myself never again and said never again for a number of years after but it's interesting because here we are um how many years ago now was that marathon six seven years ago nearly seven years ago and I I'm, I'm just at a point now where I would like to try another one I think uh, maybe not to quite the same ambitious level as I would have done a few years ago, but I think I'd still like to get that monkey off my back and try another one. So, yeah. Well, you talk about the all, you know, all the fueling issues, all of this stuff going wrong, training, and you... so many things can go wrong in the marathon. Right. I think so many, like nothing can go wrong really in a in a thirty minute cross country race or <laughs> or even like a ten k. But like so many things can go wrong in a marathon. Well, I mean, I mean, you talk about it, ten k, five k, you know. A lot of that stuff, it's like, all right, well, I, I've only got, you know, if you're halfway through, you know, 15 minutes or so left, like it's, it's easier to wrap your head around. I've, I, I don't have much longer to go. I can push through this, but 
Yeah. You know, you get through halfway through a marathon and you've still got an hour and 15 minutes. I mean, you ran a 226 still, which is amazing. But, you know, you get through halfway and you still got an hour 15 left. I mean, that's a lot different to wrap your head around. I got to I got to slog through the rest of this. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Um, I think I feel like there's less thinking to do in a 5K or a 10K as well. You just push, push, push from start to finish. But that's not really the case in a marathon. So, yeah. Um... Yeah, but we'll see. Maybe I can, uh, I think um, the nice thing about marathoning is uh, it's kind of an older man's sport. I think uh, you can run those, you know, well into your 30s, 40s or, you know, beyond for some people. And um, I think there's still time yet to maybe uh, run a a solo bond or at least do something that would uh, make me feel better about, about my first attempt which was very humbling. Yeah. Well, I think you're, I mean, you know, uh, Kipchoge, I think is near 40. Um, uh, and he looks much older, doesn't he? Right. And then he looks, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. he looks older than what he is. Maybe it's all the miles. Yeah. I don't know, but <laughs> I, think he's about, I think he's about 30, 37 or something. Th- I yeah. Think he's about 37, but it, like on paper, but who knows? Right. You know, and it, it, it just, I think there's, you know, you, you see some of these older guys out there in their forties and still. Yeah, that's it. Um, I mean, yeah, Kipchoge was about 35, wasn't he? When he ran that breaking two and he's still the best in the world now at 37, 38. And, um, there's been a few like Olympic champions that did it at 39, 40 years old. So, right. I mean, Abdi, um, you know, made the Olympics for, for the U S team at 43. I mean, that. Don't get me wrong. Um, I have no um, ambitions of a of a yeah. quotations comeback. <laughs> you know, like running is just kind of a very therapeutic and recreational for me now. It's not something that I want to <laughs> um, go back to. I don't want to wind the clock back um, to how it used to be. But um, yeah, if I can, if I can just enjoy a marathon, then that would be nice. Yeah. How did you get to that point? You know, coming from you know running at a high level in NCAAs, European championships, Commonwealth games, like how did you come to this level now where you're just, I, I just want to enjoy my running? Um, I think I just went through a little bit of a process there, which was um, quite a difficult time with my running where um, I'd gotten to this level, like you say, where I competed in all those events and all those championships. And I think I started to run into some difficulties with, injuries um uh kind of mentally as well you know like the sort of um how demanding it is mentally as well to um stay at that level um and every athlete's peak especially at that level too is is only quite short really there's only so many years you can stay your best relatively um and i just think that i got to a point where I almost just kind of needed to step back a little bit from running um, at that level and at least and just kind of start to enjoy things. It was um, becoming a lot for me, a little bit too much in some respects. Um, and I just needed to kind of um, um, reset what running meant to me. Remember why I started it in the first place, you know, because I enjoy it. I think possibly I lost sight of that a little bit at times, especially when I started to get frustrated with injuries and 
you know, I'm struggling to stay at that level that I needed to, to maintain um, GB teams and sponsors and things like that. It sort of it all became quite serious at one point. Um, I mean, and I think, I think I just reached a point where I just kind of needed to step back a little bit and just start to enjoy my running again. And that's kind of where I've been for the last few years and um, it's working. Um, I still get out every day that I don't have an injury and run. Um, still in pretty good shape, not quite like I was, not quite as zippy as I was a few years ago, but I'm still in good shape. Still, my favorite thing to do is go for a run, but quite happy not to go back to uh, being in that kind of uh, international realm again. Um, I like just, uh, I like just treating it as a serious hobby, should we say? <laughs> I think that's a great way to to think about it. You know, it's I. Yeah, I was never at that level, so I can't, you know, put myself in your in your place. But I can see how it almost becomes, um, you know, it starts too off much. as a, I would say that again. Yeah, like like too much. Yeah. Yeah, I was gonna say almost like a job, you know, where it's just yeah, you're you're just putting, you know, punching the clock and putting in the time instead of like. Well, it it was it was at one point for a number of years. I mean, I was out training in America on a professional athlete visa have been granted i had numerous sponsors from back home that would pay my travel and stipends and bills um i had expectations in that i needed to meet to maintain those sponsors and uh, qualifying times to meet if i was going to make championships or you know positions to uh fill uh, for in trial races and things like that it was um i think over time it just um uh, running started as something that i enjoyed and it was up and up and up and then um, eventually it becomes like you say, like almost like a job where you just need to meet standards. And, um, I don't want to say like it wasn't fun at one point, but you know, when you start, when it becomes your whole identity and you're so it's your whole life and you don't even know who, who you are other than a runner. Um, you know, like, you know, that's like the one thing that you're good at and, um, almost all your self-worth is in that one activity and, you know, you don't really have you don't really know what you're doing after running or um, you've got all these sort of things going on and um, it, it can feel like a lot, you know, um, when your whole life is just a sport. And uh, I think I just kind of needed to find myself, take a few, uh, a bit of time or a few years as it was to sort of find myself outside of running. And, um, and that's what I've done. Like I say, I've ended up in New Mexico. I'm a school teacher now, I'm married here with a couple of stepdaughters, um, a coach in a school and privately and, I've kind of um, built this life up around me. Some, all these things that I didn't have when I was uh, um, an elite athlete, you know, I only had running then and that after a while wasn't really very healthy or it wasn't really um, what I wanted. So I just needed to expand myself in other areas of life, I think is a good way to put it. And um, like I say, the the buildup of injuries and setbacks just kind of, um, forced me into that direction so and now now running something which complements my life it's not my whole life hi i love that I, and i think that's so relatable you know for for a lot of reasons i think i think there's kids that come out of high school and that's all they've really done is they've wrapped themselves as a high school runner and then you know maybe they don't continue on to college or they don't have that opportunity and or they get into college and then there's no you know they don't have that uh, opportunity to be sponsored afterward and you know they're they're moving on and so I think we're all kind of um, forced into that decision you know at some point or another of finding out like 
where does running fit in in the larger picture of of who you are yeah i think another thing as well is um you always look back and sort of wish I could have done a little bit more of running. Like I always think, oh, I wish I could have made an Olympics or, you know, I wish I, but whatever you do, you always want more anyway. So that wouldn't have solved any problems in that respect. But I think that the experience I got from running, like, you know, I, I ran for my country and I ran in some major champs and, you know, my whole amazing time at UNM that I told you about. I think that experience that I got at that level um, really encompassed everything that I would ever want and more from the sport of running. So when I kind of like made the decision that, okay, I need to grow a bit more as a person here, I think that um, I felt very happy to do that. I felt that I, um, although there's always that little part that's like, oh, I wish I could have done a bit better in this or that. I felt like I'd really um, got what I wanted from running and it, it kind of it had encompassed everything I could possibly have ever wanted. Um, and Another way to look at it as well is, is when I first started running, when, like I say, when, when my phone rang when I was 16 years old and the club told me to go down and train with them, um, I never thought that I would go as far as I did. So you have to look at it like that as well. Um, I did far more or achieve far more than I ever thought that I would. So um, that's that's kind of how I, how I looked at it. And now I can get out for a run every day, get out 5 a.m. in the morning before I go and be a school teacher and um, not quite at the level I was, but like I say, have those memories, have those accomplishments that aren't going to go anywhere. They're still on paper. And now I, now I can just enjoy my running. And um, if I feel good, I'll go and hop into a local race and get the exact same satisfaction from running in a local race, really, as I would have done running in the World Cross or something. Um, lower level, but it's still just pushing my body. It's still, it's still running and it's still um, just the thing that I love to do. So, um, and I just, at this point, my only real or my main goal in running is just to make sure I stay healthy and that it can be something that I do for the rest of my life because I really just am a, a better person and life is better when when I can run so um yeah that's one of the things I absolutely love about this sport is you can find something in it at every level right even as you get older you talked about you know these these guys you know running some marathons in their 40s or, or doing whatever you know at a certain point, you're everybody's going to get slower. And so you can start, instead of trying to compare yourself to your past version of yourself, you can look, you know, where do I stack up just with other people my age yeah. in this race, you know? And, and Hey, just move the goalposts. Right. <laughs> you know, it's just, um, we all age, we all get a little bit slower, but um, that's why they have age group categories as well, isn't it? If you really want to keep competing that long and... Um, running's running. Um, everything's relative to your ability, your age, um, the race you're in, whatever it may be. Um, a tempo run's a tempo run. Um, 100% effort is 100% effort, whether you're um, 65 years old or 25 years old. So, yeah, at some point you just have to let go of the fact that you're not quite as quick as you were and just um, remember why you started running in the first place. And um, it was kind of difficult for me to do that for a few years. I think the I did battle my ego for quite a while. But um, I finally got to a place now where I just um, enjoy running for what it is. So. That's good. And that ego can just be... <laughs> oh, yeah. And I, I had one as well. I think you have to have a little bit of an ego to to go a long way in the sport. I mean, a little bit. Um, you know, you have to have that drive and that self-belief. And um, yeah. Yeah. Just gotta keep, you just got to keep it under control. Right. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you have to be able to believe you can run run against anybody else that's on that line, right? Oh, yeah. If you're, it, you're never going to win a race if you unless you stand on the start line and believe that you're going to 
beat everybody next to you. You've got you've got to believe you can win before you go and do it. Usually, anyway. Right. So you know you you've had all this pretty cool career, pretty amazing, some great times. You know we didn't really get into them, but you've had some pretty good times, and you made this transition to more of like I'm I'm doing this because I love it. And how does that kind of help inform your, you know, the coaching that you've done, um, whether it's helping out with the high schoolers or the private coaching you're, you're doing as well? Um, well, basically, like all my coaching um, is largely built off of my experiences in the sport. You know, I, I love being able to kind of um, advise the runners that I work with, whether that's um, private clients or um, high school runners. And kind of apply my experiences and my learning curves to, to them. Um, it's funny because every day that I'm coaching or sending an email to a client or speaking to a high school or something, I find myself saying to myself, I wish I knew back then what I know now. You know what I mean? Like I've just, I've made, so, I made so many mistakes in my running career. Like sometimes I even look back and I kind of cringe a little bit, like, or it's even frustrating for me. I think like, oh, I did not do that very well um, back then. But, um, the people that I work with now get to benefit from my um, errors of way and um, from my experiences. So um, that's pretty nice. Um, so yeah, um, it's just, it's just really nice to apply um, my experiences in the sport to helping other people. That's, that's great. And you know, how did you get on with, uh, with Rio Rancho uh, to kind of start off with? Cause that's kind of where you started your coaching, right? Um, I did a little bit of volunteer coaching at a couple of small schools in Albuquerque first. And it was actually when I was um, watching a trap meet that I um, uh, came to meet Coach Gonzalez. And um, he asked me um, if I had any anything going on next season and if I'd be interested in uh, working with the Rams. And as it, as it happened, um, she was my girlfriend at the time, but um, not my now wife, but... Um, we lived together in Rio Rancho and it all just fell into place perfectly, you know, just to bump into him that one day at a trap meet. Um, and I lived in Rio Rancho and it just, um, and it just, it, I needed the coaching experience. So I wanted to, as I say, I was in that transition point where I was um, in the early days of coming out of my own super serious running career, should we say, and trying to just sort of um, build up some experiences and a, and a resume away from, competing and it was just an ideal opportunity to um to get involved with a with a fantastic um high school program and um uh, yeah bit his arm off and and um, i've been involved with the school ever since so i think i'm in my, f in my fifth year now being involved with rio rancho so yeah wonderful that's that's awesome it's it's great to have you know people who have experience, you know, at your level with, you know, working with the high schoolers, you know, knowing, you know, where it could take them, but also having that experience of, you know, if it doesn't, that's okay. <laughs> you know, it's, it's, there's lots of things you can do with this in your life. Just getting out there in a local fun run every, you know, every weekend or however often you want to do it. Absolutely. Yeah. Do you Running find that? Uh, running can serve and benefit anybody from any walk of life and any ability. Absolutely. Uh, you know, you said you talked about kind of coming into the coaching where you're kind of winding down your career. Do you feel like the coaching kind of helped you uh, keep maybe that competitive spirit, channel it in a different direction? 
Yeah, I would say so. Yeah, and it just kind of kept me involved um, with the sport. Although I never completely cut ties of running. It's not like I um, stepped away and stopped completely and, you know, put on a load of weight and just like (laughs) I, I, you know, I've um, kept myself in very good condition ever since um, over the years. Um, Keeping fit and being healthy is um, of utmost importance to me. So um, I've always gotten out for a run, but the coaching definitely um, just kept me around a competitive environment when I wasn't doing so many races myself. Yeah. So, um, yeah, in that sense it did. You talked about your stepdaughters a couple of times. Um, have you gotten them into running? No, not at all. No. Um, Jade is actually, um, she's ninth grade and she's high school cheering. So I've got a cheerleader stepdaughter. Um, yeah, it's tough. Like I said, um, and then Kiana's still, She's still figuring out what she likes. She's only in eighth grade. Um, who knows what she'll do? But um, no, neither neither of them are runners. If I, I've I've suggested they go for a little jog down to the park a couple of times, maybe, but um, it's never a it's never a um, a warm response. Yeah, <laughs> and I'm I'm certainly not gonna not gonna force it. I would never. And um, they have to want to go for a run before before I um, take them out there. So. As soon as they say I want to go for a run, then I'll then I'll help them. I'm not gonna. You have to want to do it, don't you? Right. Yeah. It's it, it never works out well if you're if you're forced into it. Uh, not usually. No, I think there's all sorts of uh, theories out there on there on that. So. Wow. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so you know you you kind of talked a little bit earlier about you know you're kind of almost in the mindset where well maybe i'll just do another marathon just to get it off your back do you have any races or anything coming up that you're looking forward to Mm, i'm hoping actually i'll stick my neck out and say i don't want to like i like i said i have a lot of injuries and there's been so many times over the years where i've intended should we say or planned to hopefully do an event of some sorts and it just more often than not see something seems to come along and stop me in my tracks um but i seem to have a little bit of momentum at the minute i'm really enjoying my running at the minute um ran a nice 15 mile this morning and felt quite healthy and zippy um and i'm hoping to um have a little go around maybe the duke city half in a couple of weeks time since it's in three weeks time today it's yeah. three weeks today i believe um that'll be the first half marathon I, i've run um in about five years, I think. Um, so it's about time I did that again. Um, and as far as a marathon goes, I've got what, half of one eye on a couple of things um, sooner than later. That I'd maybe like to um, see if I can get myself ready for. Um, I won't say where, like, because... You know, I go day by day at the minute. Like I say, the important thing is just me to stay healthy and enjoy it. But maybe I'll maybe I'll even get one done before the end of the year. We'll see. Um, but again, not like with the aspirations that I had like a, a few right. years ago. Just um, the goal would be to just run a strong one, enjoy it, and not blow because I blew really, really, <laughs> really badly in the one. And like I say, it really knocked me and humbled me. So the goal would be to just like run a strong one and kind of enjoy it and not blow. Um, and if I could do that before the end of the year, then I'd feel pretty good about myself. I think that's that's great. But I'll let you know. Um, I'll I'll let you know about that. I'll, I'll be curious. So, 
you know, you, you've talked a lot about kind of being in a different spot in, in your running right now. But I, I got to assume, you know, you've, you've talked a lot about these injuries. I mean, that's still got to take a toll, you know, mentally when it's kind of taking you out. You know, how do you still kind of, I guess, stay positive and stay, uh, you know, motivated going through these spurts of injuries? Um, well, like I said, like just being fit and healthy is just something uh, that I really enjoy and is of massive importance to me. Um, I don't like letting myself go in that department. Um, probably a bit of vanity there. I'm too vain to get out of shape. So even <laughs> when like, even when I can't run, I have to keep fit some other way. Um, I just feel good when I'm fit. So if I can't run, I'll swim. I've come to really enjoy that, um, over the last few years. And, um, even when I am in, uh, good training nowadays for running, I still combine that with swimming. Um, got myself a little elliptical in the in the garage at home and a spin bike as well. I'll jump on those. And I do a lot more like strengthening and rehab stuff now. Um, I really didn't do enough of that like when I was at my best. Um, and that's probably why I break down so easy now. Um, just because, uh, um, you know, uh, lack of um, proper like rehab and strengthening work and just... Um, always pushing the body to its absolute limits and not quite understanding the concept of recovery well enough some, sometimes. Um, and uh, yeah, I think that can just accumulate and uh, catch you catch you up later on. But um, I'm much better with all that stuff now. I probably spend as much time rehabbing and cross-training as I do running. And I run a lot less, a lot less miles now as well. I'm happy to just run a lot less miles. So that's how, that's how I keep myself in the game and how I keep myself sane. So just a, a nice balance of cross-training, strengthening, and um, uh, a sensible amount of running. That sounds smart. It sounds like something yeah. I should be doing yeah, more I, of I too. train a lot. I'm not as fast as I used to be, but I train a lot smarter now. So, yeah. yeah. Oh, that's good. And with all that cross-training and, and pool and, and spin work, you ever thought of doing a triathlon? Um, thought about it. I think I'd do a pretty good um, aquathon, you know, just the swim and the run. I don't really, I don't have all the gear and like really know much about the bike and it doesn't, the bike doesn't really grab me, my attention much, but, um, I do like the, uh, the thought of a swim and a run. Um, and I've thought about maybe just going down to the aquatic center in Rio Rancho one weekend and, you know, swim a mile, jump out the pool, throw my trainers in the changing room and go and run the, the 5k loop around the, uh, around the block there and just seeing what I can do for a swim and a run. But um i don't know about that bike i don't know i don't know i have heard uh um the morning shakeout uh, uh mario frioli he's had a couple of people yeah. on who talk about swim runs um like it's this whole separate thing it sounds very interesting i'm a horrible like i can swim but i i would i'm not it's been a long time since i've done any long swimming but it sounds interesting <laughs> Yeah, I think it's either called an aquathon or like I think another name for it is a a biathlon. Okay. So there's swimming a swimming a run, but um, I'd be open to that if the right one came along in town. But um, yeah, the bike, nah, <laughs> I don't like the bike. <laughs> well, that's that's awesome. I um, I think that's a great spot to kind of wrap up. I think uh, we covered. A decent amount. You've still got a lot out that we didn't quite talk about, but 
I, I love kind of your your arc of where, of where you came and, and how you came into the sport and and your mentality of it now. I think it's just it's a very um, healthy way to look at it. Yeah, once a runner, always a runner. A real runner never quits or retires. We just um, change priorities or shuffle things around or move the goalposts. So, um, and as long as I'm able to, I'll get out there and run every day I can. So that's that's perfect. So I'm going to ask you the last question I ask everybody, and that is just uh, you know, what are you listening to to get you up, get you going, get you ready for a five a.m. 5 a.m. run before you get to school. Oh, I am so random with music. So random. Like it could, oh. um, my favorite kind of music is um, like a, a, like an acoustic, just like one man on a, and a guitar on a stool. You know what I mean? Like almost like an open mic kind of yeah. like a chill, almost even like a, like a, like a melancholy song, you know, but you know, I really like, the acoustic guitar stuff but before like a race or a training session probably something a little bit more upbeat but that could just be anything that comes up on a playlist or a shuffle or um one of my favorite songs to run to uh, i mean i love the red hot chili peppers um i think snow by red hot chili peppers is my favorite song to run to when that riff comes on I, that just gets me flying but it can vary from that to just like um, cheesy pop hits from the nineties to sometimes even a little bit of Tupac and um, oh god. Um, sometimes I just randomly hear songs that I've become obsessed with and yeah, my my music it depends on the mood, uh, the vibe, and the day. It c- it can change greatly, but uh, I'm yeah. the same way. I do like a bit, I I do appreciate a bit of acoustic guitar and I play a little bit myself as well so yeah oh well that's cool <laughs> yeah i'm i'm the same way though i'm it just depends it just depends on what i feel like i'm in the mood for i've i've done tempo work with you know something chill just because that's what i felt like listening to at the time mm-hmm. so i get you <laughs> but like i said I, this was didn't really give us oh go ahead didn't really give a specific answer there, but yeah, no, no, that's it, can, right. it could be anything. Uh, like I said, this has been a lot of fun. I really appreciate your time. Uh, is there anything else you'd like to add before I let you go? Just thanks for having me on, and um, it's been a pleasure. Uh, that's all. I'd once again like to thank my guest for their time, and thank you for tuning in. If you have the opportunity, please rate and review wherever you listen to your podcasts, or just help spread the word. Music was provided by Philip Friedman. You can follow him on SoundCloud at DJ Teach. You can follow me on Instagram and Twitter at RunningNM. Feel free to drop me a line or shoot me an email at runningnewmexico.com at gmail.com if you have any questions or know of someone who should be interviewed. In the meantime, keep running, New Mexico.